Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is Internet Marketing. Hello and welcome to the Internet Marketing Podcast brought to you by Site Visibility. I'm your host, Scott Colnut, and with me today is Sean Connell, Content Director at The Sponsor. And we're going to be discussing how to find your perfect sponsorship partner. Welcome to the podcast, Sean. Hi, Scott. Thanks for having me on. I'm looking forward to understanding more about your background and what The Sponsor are all about. So do you want to take a moment to introduce yourself to our listeners and describe what it is you do? Uh, Sure. So I'm the content director of the Sponsor Magazine, which is a publication specifically for marketing professionals. And our audience or or everything we do is designed to help our audience make their campaigns more impactful and increase their return on investment. So whether you're implementing sponsorship for the very first time in your organization or if you're the marketing lead uh, for a portfolio of partnerships spanning multiple different geographies we we cover various different topics that are relevant to that and throughout the year we interview experienced sponsorship leaders and academics and agencies industry disruptors to share their experience their insights and their their practical tips with our audience in the hope of of helping to make your campaigns as i say more more impactful so the way that we do this is, is we publish articles and reports on the sponsor.com. Uh, but we also host a series of events covering best practices in different sponsorship categories. So for example, next month we, we've got an event all about sponsorship of the arts and how you can enhance and alter your stakeholder perception through sponsorship of the arts. And, and there we've got various different speakers from prominent art sponsors like UBS and, and BMW Group. But then again, in a couple of months' time, we'll be covering esports, uh, which is a fascinating mm. sponsorship sector for for many brands that are that are now starting to wake up to that. Um, but also, with my other hat on, I'm also the managing director of Sponsor Analytics, which is a data driven sponsorship research, evaluation, and measurement firm. And um, we help brands to really identify who their perfect sponsorship partner is as well as implementing sort of strategic campaigns to overcome overcome specific brand challenges, whether that's a need to sort of increase brand awareness and increase sales, or it might be more towards uh, enhancing stakeholder perception or, or even talent attraction and retention. And, and that's really 
the beauty of, of sponsorship is that it can serve multiple different purposes within the business. And so you are the content director at the sponsor and you're also, uh, did you say the founder of Sponsor Analytics? Yes, the, the founder and managing yeah. director of, uh, of Sponsor Analytics. So that's a business I've been doing for uh, about seven years or so. And it, it's fascinating because actually well, what we do a lot of the time with Sponsor Analytics is work with sponsors that are maybe looking at sponsorship for the first time because uh, it can be quite a daunting sort of experience. You know, where, where do you begin? There's a ocean full of available opportunities. There are, uh, you know, most marketing managers that, that are listening to this now will probably get, you know, anywhere between one and 100 sponsorship proposals a week. Mm. Um, and so at Sponsor Analytics, we, we help to sort of guide through that process. And for you specifically, I'm interested in your background and how you ended up in the position to focus in this niche, this niche of sponsorship. So tell me a little bit about that. How did you end up where you are today? So I actually started at a brand valuation and intangible asset company called Brand Finance. And there we used to produce rankings of of the most valuable brands across different sectors. So we'd have the 500 most valuable banking brands, uh, telecoms, most valuable brands in India, so on and so forth. And I was actually contacted one day by the commercial director of one of the Premier League's biggest football clubs, who wanted a list of our 500 most valuable banking brands. And it was publicly available information, so I was happy to oblige. But curiosity got the better of me. And when I asked her why she wanted this, she said, well, it's just a great list for our sales team to to call through and see if any of them want to sponsor Arsenal. Right. Um, and sorry, I've just I've just inadvertently revealed who the uh, the the Premier League team in question it, was. If but. you want to read that bit out and it's confidential, just feel free to go back over that. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'll cut I this bit out. To be honest, this was a while ago, Scott, so I, I, okay. I'm sure that, that Arsenal have changed their ways, uh, <laughs> which is shown by the fact that they're now top of the league and got some, <laughs> got some great sponsorships. Um, but no, the, the, the commercial director wanted to know, you know, this, this sort of Excel sheet of all these different banks and they were just going to, call through all of them to see if they wanted uh, to to sponsor Arsenal. And I was shocked that a team as big as Arsenal could, you know, care so little about sort of what their attributes were as a football club, who their audience was and, and what brands might stand to benefit most from a partnership. But of course, the, the scary thing after that is the realisation that they must do this because it works. Mm. And if you follow that train of thought, it, it sort of leads you to a place where you realize that there are marketing directors out there that have said yes or no to a proposal that has landed on their desk, completely unaware that they were, you know, number 300 of 500 called that morning. So it, it sort of showed to me that there's a real need still in, in the sponsorship industry to for brands to really be thinking about who they are as an organization, what they want to be and how sponsorship can, can sort of help them get there and who the best possible partner would be. And, you know, in, in no other area of business or indeed in marketing, you know, do we see such high sums of, uh, of money, such big budget going out the door with such little due diligence around who, what or where uh, that money would be, would be best spent. So that's really sort of what got me into sponsorship. Interesting. So it sounds like the penny dropped when you started to identify how little 
business intelligence, perhaps there was four marketing directors related to potential sponsorships. Is that an accurate summary? Yeah, I think so. And, you know, listen, it's, it's hard because some of these proposals do land on your desk and they look fantastic. You know, there's a, an army of people whose job it is to sell sponsorship. It's very difficult. And, you know, sometimes seeing your logo on a mock-up of the front of your favorite football team or alongside your, you know, a golf event or what have you can sort of be the difference to, to get you to sign on the dotted line. But really, we need to be thinking much harder about our own brand, what we represent and how we want our stakeholders to perceive us in the future. And then using that as a basis to go out and explore what sponsorship opportunities are available to us that will be the best possible fit for our brand. So our our sort of motto is, you know, if, if you didn't initiate the contact, then it's probably not the right partner for you. So I appreciate that this might seem elementary to you and perhaps to some of our listeners, but talking about sponsorship. So I speak on this podcast about influencer marketing, partnerships, collaborations. And I'm kind of curious to know your definition of sponsorship as it is today. Is it those things that I've just discussed? Is it more than that? What's your definition? Well, I think in some ways it is that, Um, you know, in, in its purest sense, it's an agreement between two parties whereby the sponsor pays a sum of money to obtain the rights to leverage a a team or event or an individual for their benefit. But of course, it's, it's really, it's, it's so much more than that. It's a partnership. And I think that's where the difference comes in. Quite a lot of the time I see things that are labeled as a sponsorship, which to my mind are are nothing more than an advertisement. Um, One of the things that I'm, uh, a sort of uh, something that annoys me quite often is is if you've seen live sports on TV, you quite often see these moving advertising boards going around the side of the pitch, mm-hmm. uh, which I find quite distracting. And you know, in that split second to the the build up of a goal or the the pass that led to a try, you can find yourself distracted by this moving advertising board. And I think actually the, the best example of this was there's um, a player, Tiago, who was playing for Bayern Munich at the time. And he was so confused by the moving advertising board. It was a little image of uh, Father Christmas shoveling snow, courtesy of Allianz, moving around the side of the pitch, that he was so confused that he passed the ball straight to straight to Santa Claus himself. <laughs> um, so I think that sort of goes to show that, you know, the, these advertisements are distracted and really – we need to start thinking about if this is a partnership, what sort of relationship do we as sponsors want to have with fans? Is it one based on us distracting them from the very thing that they love? Or is it one in which we find some way to, as a sponsor, provide a positive contribution to the to the team or event they love? So I'm a really big fan of, of any sponsorships that can find a unique way to make that event better. And there are there are lots of good examples with it. It, it can be as simple as providing behind the scenes uh, footage or, you know, footage of, of players in the in the tunnel or um, or anything like that that brings the fans closer to the team or event. One of the examples I I love, uh, and this is from a long time ago, but it was the the old telecoms brand Orange were sponsoring a music festival and 
rather than putting the orange logo all over the stage and all over everything that they could get their hands on, they simply provided charging points all over the festival ground so that when that most common of things happened where you get separated from your friends and your mobile phone dies, you know, there's orange to provide a a positive contribution to your enjoyment of the event. And I I think that leads to enhanced um, brand perception on the part of the fans and and ultimately a greater tendency to try and and greater engagement. A few things stand out to me from what you're saying here. It's the, the benefit to both parties, which it's, it's kind of, a little less transactional than maybe influencer marketing is. I'm, I'm not saying that all influencer marketing is very transactional. There are lots of brands that work with uh, influential people over a long period of time and it works really, really well. But there's also a very transactional side of, and short-term perspective in that space that I see often. Sponsorships from your, what you're saying feel like a more of a long-term commitment and alignment. Is that fair? Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. And, you know, that, that is equally true of, of influencer marketing as well. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, we, we recently wrote an article about a, a sort of brand ambassador checklist. And if you look at what, um, you know, one of the best examples of this is, is sort of Roger Federer, who's got fantastic brand partnerships. But in most cases, those brand partnerships with Rolex or Moe or uh, Credit Suisse, they're they're long-term spanning decades, Mm. but they also involve those brands contributing to causes that are very close to to Roger's heart. So they do a lot of work with the Roger Federer Foundation, for example. So I think, you know, with any partnership, you know, even if you think about a relationship in your personal life, where that relationship is a one-way street based on one party taking for their own benefit and giving nothing back that that's really in my experience a healthy relationship and the same is absolutely true for any sort of sponsorship or partnership Mm, that makes sense and you've kind of started to give me the answer to this next question as you were talking but you were describing some of the questions you'd ask yourself in if you're a business or if you're a marketer and when the right time is to sponsor someone or to consider sponsorship so what are your recommended starting points? If I'm a, a business owner, a marketer out there, uh, I'm hearing this episode, learning about sponsorship marketing. What are the characteristics of a company that actually, yeah, what characteristics make a company a good fit to start exploring sponsorship marketing? I, th- I think any sponsorship, any company, sorry, can can begin sponsorship. You know, even if you think about your local coffee shop, mm-hmm. they are engaging in activities which they know to be close to the hearts of their customers. And that might be as simple as sponsoring the local under-10s football team. But when we think about a, a larger size business, I think the most important thing is to make sure that we have our brand values, our our purpose, our mission statement, all of these things perfectly well aligned and importantly agreed upon by all stakeholders concerned with business. We've done uh, projects before where whenever we start a new project identifying who the perfect sponsorship partner should be for a company, we always do a large consultation, not just with the marketing director and, and their team, but also with the HR director, the finance director, the chief exec, chairman, and, and some customers and clients as well. And what you find actually in a lot of cases is, is businesses that think 
they're all in agreement actually have quite a lot of differing views, particularly when it comes to the future direction that the company should be going in. And that's very important with sponsorship because in sponsorship, we're not just trying to find a partner that is an exact mirror image of how we are perceived today. Mm. We're also looking to say, okay, well, in the future, how would we like our customers to perceive us? And if there's a gap between how we're perceived today versus how we wish to be perceived in the future, that's where sponsorship can help us make that jump in in perception. So it's very important, first of all, to make sure that everybody in the organization is in agreement with what the future direction of, of the company should be. And I would say that, you know, if you're still having those discussions um, or if you're still in disagreement about the, that direction, then it's really a time to, to take a pause and settle that issue before you start looking proactively at what might be the best sponsorship opportunity for you. Yeah, that's a really interesting difference that, that uh, you've highlighted there that, it, you know, when you compare influencer marketing to sponsorship and you think about the differences. So influencer marketing, for example, you can experiment with working with different types of influences and arguably maybe it's more flexible than sponsorship. Sponsorship yeah. is a real commitment to the long-term values and alignment. So like you said, maybe there's a little bit more decision-making, uh, particularly in larger corporations. Is that what you see a lot more, uh, maybe bureaucracy? Is that fair? Yes, I, I think so. Um, it's, it's important that that process has to happen because, mm -hmm. you know, what you're talking about in most cases is a pretty serious uh, marketing expenditure. Yeah. And so before making that commitment, it's important that we do know exactly the direction of travel and that when we come to commit that, that we do so in a, in a big way. And I think quite a lot of the time when we have implemented successful sponsorships, actually it goes sort of beyond what the stated marketing budget is because it's, it's a bigger commitment over the long term, you know, successful sponsorship it is a long-term game and in order to really feel the effects and there's a lot of research to support that that even now when you ask people you know name some sponsors of liverpool football club for example carlsberg will yeah. still come up in that in that conversation and and that sponsorship ended uh, quite a long time ago but it was a long sponsorship when it when it took place. And so, you know, it, it is a big commitment and it's very important to make sure that, you know, all your ducks are in a row before deciding to, to make that plunge. But the risks are high, but the rewards are also high. Equally kind of an equally big commitment. Yeah, exactly. And the rewards are, are incredibly high. You know, with, yeah. with one um, piece of expenditure, you can attract new customers, you can you know, engage your existing customer base, you can attract new talent, you can retain and motivate staff, you can even enhance how investors perceive your business and how, you know, suppliers perceive your business. So it's also important that this this budget, and people sort of say, oh, you know, that's a lot of money to spend on marketing, but it, it's not just marketing, you know, it's affecting the, the entirety of, of the business and, and how it's perceived by multiple different stakeholders uh, on the flip side of all of this what are some signs that a business isn't ready to um take on a spot isn't ready to sponsor another business another company uh, what do you see 
Well, I, I think just ex- exactly that, that, you know, if if you're still having these disagreements, yeah. then it, it, it's in a bad place. But also, you know, if you are stretching financially beyond your limits, um, you know, that's also a, a sign that needs to be, you know, seriously listened to because we've had examples recently, obviously, um, in the digital assets uh, market, you've got various crypto um, exchanges which have, put huge outlays on on marketing on sponsorships and have had to you know essentially pull out of, of these deals and of right. course there's multiple different reasons why some of these crypto ones have, have gone belly up but you know another example is is kazoo um kazoo went on a, a huge sponsorship drive you know many of your listeners here in the uk will know them as sponsors of, of the darts and rugby and Pretty, pretty much most things going, but, but they were also heavily invested in European sponsorships, Atletico Madrid, I think, and, and a few others. Um, and so sometimes there is a tendency to go a bit, a bit crazy on that front. Um, so it's important to sort of, you know, spend within your means. Um, I, I don't know much about what happened with Kazoo. What happened with Kazoo? Well, I think it was part of a larger strategy to, to also um, focus more on UK profitability rather yeah. than driving awareness on the continent. But, you know, they attacked the European market with the same vigor that they attacked the UK sponsorship market. And there were multiple different sponsorship deals in operation. And they've all subsequently had to be scaled back to focus right. more on, on the UK, where they're still... A, a prominent sponsor. Yeah. Um, but it, it, it's interesting because, you know, Kazoo is a pretty good example of one of those brands that, yeah, okay, they, they do lots of good engagement with fan bases, but for for them, their stated objective is brand awareness at all costs. So it, it sort of makes sense to to be on, on everything. And, and maybe whereas some other organizations are more keen on, on focus, creating a, a sort of, a deep relationship with one particular partner. That's really interesting that you mentioned because it was an example because I'm a sports fan and I recognize the name and I can even visualize the logo on like shirts or something, but I Mm. could not tell you right now what Kazoo do. I couldn't tell you what business they are. My guess would be like insurance or something, but I can't remember for sure. Well, it's the two of them, uh, actually three of them. It's Kazoo and Cinch is the other big sponsor that you may have seen. They they sponsor England cricket and uh, um, I think a a couple of football teams as well. And essentially both of them do, um, you know, secondhand car sales, but they, um, you know, they drop them off at your door and and some other sort of USBs. But it's a new market and it's interesting because it's a bit like the foreign exchange market where a couple of years ago there were there were new brands popping up all the time with uh, forex trading and they invested heavily in sponsorships to just generate huge amounts of brand awareness yeah. but of course at some point that brand awareness has to then start uh, resulting in in increased revenue and and I'm, I'm not sure i think sometimes when when those numbers aren't quite adding up, you know, the sort of 50 million pounds worth or, or whatever it may be of sponsorship doesn't make quite as much sense as it did before. Yeah. It's really interesting that you say that like the, um, in a way, if you have the funds, it's quite easy to scale sponsorship in the way that you're describing. However, 
it sounds like you have to have the substance behind the sponsorship for it to actually have an effect. And Kazoo sounds like a really good example, but I'm sure there are others. Is what I've just said fair? Like you can scale sponsorship easily if you have the funds, but for it to be really impactful, you've got to have the have the substance, like like you said, the alignment behind it um, to enhance that customer experience both sides. Yeah, I think that's that's absolutely true. But, you know, you have to keep in mind as well um, what the stated objectives of the business involved yeah. is. Um, you know, lots of times people, one of the ones that people quite often say to me is uh, 32 Red sponsorship of Derby County, where Wayne Rooney was the uh, sort of brand ambassador and wore the number 32 shirt. And it was all very controversial. Yeah. And, you know, people hold that up as a terrible example of sponsorship. But actually, well, you know, what was 32 Red's prime first, second and third objective of that campaign was was brand awareness. And right. it created a huge amount of brand awareness. So in that respect, you know, was it a good sponsorship? Well, you know, in their eyes, perhaps it was. Yeah. Um, but it really comes down to, as you said, I, I, I think in a, a sort of perfect world, what we're always looking for in sponsorship is three things is is it reputationally aligned to our brand values and, and how we wish to be perceived is it aligned to our target audience and thirdly and, and this is the bit that is most often overlooked by sponsors is this idea of are we in some way providing a positive contribution to the team or events mm. that that we want to partner with and a lot of sponsors are only concerned with the first two but the ones that really get it right do all three very successfully. Yeah. Okay. So uh, a scenario-based question for you, assuming that I have the answers to those questions, that I'm a business, I'm kind of ready to sponsor and you know, I'm ready to take it to the next stage and find the teams or events that are worth sponsoring or that are a good fit. How do you go through that process of identifying potential uh, partners for sponsorship? Where do you start? I, I imagine... Uh, one of the a little bit of context that's going through my mind is I feel like it might be quite an overwhelming process because there were just like, for example, in sports, there are just so many teams, there are so many events. How do you make that less overwhelming? Yeah, it's it's a really good question. And you're right, it is overwhelming. And I think that's the majority of the reason why that people are quite happy to take one of the proposals that <laughs> lands on their desk. Right. Um, ultimately, though, it must be a proactive approach and it starts with this thorough evaluation of who you are as an organization and what you represent and you do need to get opinions around the table not only because this helps you build the broadest picture but actually the implementation of sponsorship in your organization is a very difficult thing to to do as well and I've seen plenty of examples where six months or more of, of research work has gone into a, a sponsorship only for at the 11th hour, you know, a chairman comes out of the woodwork and says, oh, why on earth are we doing this? That sounds like a complete waste of time. Right. And it's in the bin. So it's important to get all those perspectives and opinions from all the various stakeholders together at the beginning. But once you've got that, it's important to think not just who are we as an organization today? But almost more importantly, who do we want to be or how do we want to be perceived at the end of this sponsorship? 
Mm. And once you've got that, you can start to build almost a hypothetical profile of what your ideal sponsorship partner looks like. So are they viewed um, as, you know, incredibly trustworthy? Do they have heritage? Are they accessible or are they exclusive? Um, you know, do we wish how important are things like innovation in our ideal sponsorship profile? And we can actually sort of create a scorecard of measures and prioritize some of, of these areas. And once we've got that, then and only then can we start to look outwardly at this ocean of opportunities. And I, I'd say the first way that you go about sort of reducing down that ocean of opportunities is really to say every organization operates in, in some form of industry and those industries have within them inherent demand drivers. So, for example, technology is innovative. Um, telecommunications is, is, is fast. Airlines are safe, for example. Mm-hmm. So straight away we can start excluding um, different sponsorship categories where they sort of go against those those industry drivers. Um, I always find it quite amusing when you know you you might board a or board an airline. They say you know your safety is our number one priority, but you know just before you might have seen a Formula One car crashing <laughs> at two hundred miles an hour into our logo. Um, so you know there, there's some ways in which you can immediately just exclude a lot of sponsorship categories and equally highlight the ones that represent some of these um, sort of industry attributes best. And then further within that, when we look at a specific industry, you know, just just sticking with, with Formula One, for example, there are brands within Formula One that represent your individual company sort of usps you know within your market are you the new kid on the block or are you the trusted hand that's been there for you know a hundred years and if it's the if it's the former and you are that new kid on the block then it makes more sense to perhaps partner with one of formula one's um newer teams entering you know the sort of Haas formula one team whereas if you're wanting to project or an image of of being a sort of experienced hand then you know your sort of Williams team might be a a better fit so I think there are ways in which within a specific industry you can start looking at different data points it might be the the ticket price or the the year the team was formed or things like this to, to start to whittle down further um the teams and events within that specific sponsorship category but Ultimately, you know, this there is a point at which a human touch is needed. And once you've whittled down to a smaller group, you do need to sort of get off your backside and do some proper research into that individual team or event. And once you start doing that, you may find that there are further um, characteristics that mean that you have to exclude that particular partner. Um, it might be the existence of a competitor operating in in that space, um, it it may well be the budget. You know, part of your ideal sponsorship profile is you need to be setting out exactly what your your budget limitations are as well, because you know unless you're McDonald's, uh, budget is an issue for most brands, so that needs to be taken into the equation as well. So when we start researching 
these different uh, individual teams or events in more detail, you'll find that we start excluding more and more of them until you're left with a small group of perhaps four or five. And what this group represents is a series of very well-aligned potential partners. But of course, that unfortunately, Scott, is not the end of the road either. Um, At some point, we need to interact with these teams or events. And really what we're looking for at this point is that that third piece of the sort of sponsorship puzzle that we're looking for, that how can I, as a brand, provide some positive contribution to this team or event? Um, You know, and, and that means not just agreeing to whatever sponsorship proposal um, that that team or event wants to put forward. And, and by the way, that it will be their preferred option because they've done it before. They know what it, you know, how to implement it. Whereas actually what we need to be doing is how can we create a new or unique way to engage with this team or event? Um, examples of, that we did on a, on a project recently at, at sponsor analytics was um, between a wealth manager and the Goodwood revival. Yep. It was a sort of festival of, um, you know, motor racing. It's all pre 1960s theme. So there's Lancaster bombers and all of this sort of thing. But one of the areas of, of that event was um, that guests could turn up in their own sort of pre 1960s car and park in this special field. Um but actually, it was a real highlight of the event for, for all the other, you know, 250,000 or so people that attended to go and walk around this field and look at all these uh, different cars. But the problem was that the uh, the cars were parked in the order they arrived, not in terms of quality. So what we did is we completely rebranded the whole area as uh, the client was, was Smith & Williamson. We rebranded the whole area as the Smith & Williamson Owners Club. And we ran a competition to identify the very best cars um, and then bring them front and center to be enjoyed by the audience. So when, when, when the audience went into that field, they no longer had to, you know, walk all the way around it or, or were still missing a really rare and beautiful car simply because it was parked somewhere at the back. It, it was right there to be enjoyed. So yeah. Smith and Williamson through their sponsorship had, yes, increased brand awareness um, amongst the target audience, but they'd also made the event better for everyone um, by, by their being there. And of course the winners of those, um, those most rare and beautiful cars, you know, we, we sort of say, well, they might be quite affluent individuals that Smith and Williamson might want to talk to. So they were all invited to sort of trackside hospitality as well. So I think that's really the, the important point is once you've whittled down the the sort of ocean of available opportunities to really try and interact with a team or event to figure out some unique way that you can be part of it. And to be honest, if the only thing that you can figure out to do is to stick your logo on the shirt or around the edge, you know, again, you need to be thinking, is this really the best possible use of your, of your sponsorship budget? Yeah. I think that's some great advice. Um, As you were talking about that process, uh, yeah, the research process, whittling down, it was, it sounded like a very logical approach. And I'm, I'm thinking, uh, is there, you know, what resources are there in this space that help companies go through that process? Like, is there software? Are there 
kind of reputable reports. Uh, of course, this is a plug for the sponsor as well. And I assume that you're at the heart of trying to help marketers make these decisions as well. That's why you produce the content that you do. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, it, it is a difficult um topic really and there's no right or or wrong way about it as you say you know that approach that that i described there to me is is the most sort of logical one that that whittles down that ocean but it really depends on what your objectives are that's why that consultation right at the beginning is is so very important Mm. because that is what is setting the scene for you know is, is brand awareness our, our key objective here? Are we looking to enhance our brand image? You know, all of, all of these sort of things. So I, I think, you know, one of the things that we can do as well and what we try and do with the sponsor is, is speak to experienced sponsorship leaders, speak to the marketing director of UBS or HSBC or, or what have you, and, and try and get all these different opinions together as to how do they do it? Because there is no one universal right answer to this and really a lot of the the sort of things that we're talking about you know sponsorship is is not a particularly you know not a particularly well-established uh industry in the in the sense or perhaps that's the wrong way of saying it but really that the sort of the best practice is continually changing um and so it's important to speak to other marketing leaders and and hear how they go about it and the mistakes that they've made and the things that they didn't consider um in order to try and find your own your own path and and i think that's an important point is that it is a unique journey for every brand you know Mm. there are no two sponsorships that are exactly the same because every company has their own objectives and their own budgets and so I, i think you need to sort of find your own way but certainly the approach of that I described there of, of whittling down that ocean helps to reduce this overwhelming task to just four or five very well-aligned partnerships. And assuming that I've gone through that process and I've now, you know, I've got a hit list of potential companies, businesses, events to sponsor. Um, what are some questions to ask and what are the questions that you think uh, what you? What are the most interesting questions that you've come across that are asked of potential partners um, in this space? Well, I think the most important thing that you absolutely must be asking your new sponsorship partner is is about their audience mm. because they are the experts on their audience. They know um, what their audience likes and, and dislikes, and their behaviour and, and their sort of makeup. Um, and I think it's really important to ask them about this and not only how their audience behaves, but also which sponsorships have they implemented in the past with other commercial partners that have worked particularly well, um, which ones have fallen on their face and, and what were the reasons behind that. So it's really important to get to the heart of, of who that audience is, because, you know, in, in any football club or music festival um you know the audience completely changes even at a business event you know how do you really understand the audience of a insurance uh, event or a telecoms event without speaking to the experts in that particular category so i think that's a really important point but on the more uh, sort of granular we need to be exploring you know what exactly are 
our rights as a sponsor around the intangible assets of that company, where or, or that event, where and when can we use them? Um, the access to sort of mailing lists, um, social audiences, social posts, um, but also, you know, if, if it's a, a sort of a sporting event or, or involves uh, entertainers or something, you know, player appearances, uh, use of facilities, these are all sort of important things to consider. And it's important to remember that you, as the sponsor, you know, you, you hold quite a a good amount of, of power in these negotiating uh, scenarios in most cases, just because so many teams and events are struggling to, to find sponsorship that actually, if you ask the questions, you'll usually find that your partner is, is quite accommodating because in most cases it, it doesn't cost them too much more to help you um, fulfill some of your plans. So I, I think it's important to really understand what's included in your sponsorship contract and we've actually got a really useful article about that on on the sponsor about how to negotiate your your contract and and sort of additional things you should be asking for but also in this idea of coming to a sponsor and trying to find a, a unique and new way to engage with them you need to be approaching these conversations and saying listen this is this is our plan this is how we plan to leverage your brand your event your fan base is this feasible and 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 these are the ways we'd like to do it can you help us um so i think those are the really important questions to be asking you mentioned something interesting there about the difficulty in actually finding sponsorships and i'm I'm interested just from what you've seen more recently are there any particular sectors or event types that are struggling more to identify yeah uh, partnerships I think business conferences are still struggling in the wake of COVID um, from the sort of still transitioning from this, this virtual um, sort of setup of of conferences. You know, you've got some conferences with thousands of people that used to gather together in one city and they are starting to happen again, but you know, audiences are are very different from how they were. Um, So I think that's one area, but to be honest, it's a challenge that affects um, many organizations, many teams. And I would say, you know, if any of your listeners are responsible for getting sponsorship into their team events or business conference, you know, don't feel too disheartened because it is very hard and everyone is struggling from the, the local village fair right through to, you know, Manchester United and, and what have you. So, you know, it's it's a constant struggle to get new partners in. Um, and I think that's why in, in most cases, you know, a little bit of a, advice for any of those people who are responsible for, for getting sponsorship into their organisation is, is how important it is to look after your sponsor. Mm. Um, and, you know, a lot of these things that we've talked about, how to, um, you know, engage in a, in a unique and a new way with an event. What you find is that the really good events actually have quite a lot of very good suggestions about how to do this. They already have, um, sort of things arranged where you can sponsor the sort of behind the scenes access, uh, you know, in a sort of Amazon Prime documentary type way. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think it, it's, it's a, it's a problem across the board, um, how to, how to get new sponsors in, but, you know, 
the message to any marketing professionals would be, you know, really try and try and sort of see how much you can how much you can get and and because in most cases your sponsors will be more than happy to to meet your your sort of requirements in any way they can yeah and i just wanted to close on the topic of measuring success because you've referenced brand awareness several times in this episode and i want to know if it's more than that so when you see discussions happening between sponsors and businesses what kind of metrics are being used to identify what the measures of success are going to be? Well, the one that I most frequently see is the sort of advertising value equivalency measure. Right. And I've had, you know, marketing directors say, well, you know, my sponsorship pays for itself because my advertising value equivalency is is X. The reality is that's just one part of, of the picture in order to form a true assessment of the success or failure of a sponsorship, we need to be considering both the hard and the soft measures. So, you know, the soft measures are sort of brand perception. How are we perceived when we started this sponsorship? How are we perceived today? How do our audience, you know, how much more engagement have we had on, on social media and, and these sort of things? But it's also important to take as many hard measures as we can. So, you know, where or how have, have has this sponsorship resulted in direct sales or increased um, number of leads? And that's a really tricky one because you can sponsor an event and just because you've had a, an increase in sales, you know, you can't necessarily tie all of that directly to your sponsorship and that's where fan engagement competitions uh, are really useful where we can actually say okay well x number of people filled in their details in order to enter our competition so at the very minimum if we throw away all of our soft measures we know that the sponsorship resulted in this um but really as i say it's it's a mixture of both hard and soft measures and there is no one universal formula uh for you know determining whether sponsorship was a success or not you need to take down all the information that you have available all of those hard and soft measures and with that same group that you conducted the consultation with at the beginning of the project you need to then look at those measures and collectively decide whether you thought you know that it it was a success um or a failure really so it's not a black and white um, but we do need to be taking in as much information as we can. And ideally from, from reliable, uh, sources, excluding as much cognitive bias, uh, as, as we, as we might, um, or as might otherwise exist. You know, in most cases, you're the marketing director and, you know, your, your job reputation is, is sort of on the line. And equally, when you're getting data that comes from your your partner organization that the team or event you sponsored you know you sort of have to be a little bit careful with that as well because it's in their best interest to to make it look as uh, as sort of successful as possible um the one i always used to laugh about was you know you'd get the results back from a business conference you sponsored and it would say you know 89% of the audience were director level but actually within that director level there was a lot of account directors from you know who, who really are more like a manager level so you, you just have to be careful where you're getting your your data points from and i would say the best possible measure of uh, success 
if you can if you can uh, afford it budget wise is actually to get an external organization to to come in and manage that process certainly if the investment that you're making in the sponsorship is a sort of multi-million pound um commercial deal then i I think it makes good sense to get a nielsen sports or a brand finance to to come in at the very beginning and and set up the parameters for that measurement and that way you can have an honest third party assessment of of success or failure sean it's been a pleasure to learn more about the sponsorship space in this episode if people want to learn more about these topics that we've been discussing today, if they want to learn more about the sponsor or sponsor analytics, where can people find you? Uh, so we are the sponsor mag on all the relevant social media. Uh, that's our, that's our hand on it's the, the sponsor.com and then sponsor analytics is, is sponsor analytics.co.uk, but that should probably just pop up in, in the top of Google as well. Did the sponsor sponsor anyone? The sponsor hasn't sponsored anyone. No, the sponsor, the sponsor is is purely a, a knowledge giving uh, platform to help marketing leaders make their campaigns more impactful and, and increase their return on investment. You know, we're we're on a bit of a mission to to make sponsorship as a, a force for good, not just for for the brands, but for the teams and events, and, and most importantly, for the fans as well. <laughs> great thanks sean uh the links to everything we've discussed today will be in the show notes for now sean i just say thank you so much and this has been the internet marketing podcast take care deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.